We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Dawson here. I got Jeff Gibney with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Bill 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands grow up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Tasker. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you. Terrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors. This is Field the 68 after dark. Hello and welcome in to Field of 68 after dark, January 7th. 2024 thanks for making us a part of your sunday night it might have been a light slate that does not mean that it was light on drama in college basketball on this particular sunday we got coaches that are stepping aside to let other people coach we're gonna get into that we got some close games in top 15 matchups lots to get to in college basketball today. I'm John Martin. I'm hosting here on a Sunday. Glad to be here. Here with Rob Doster, co-founder of Field of 68, as well as much more accomplished All-American first-round <laughs> draft pick, college basketball analyst, Randolph <laughs> Childers. Where are you joining us from uh, tonight, by the way? Where are you at tonight, RC? I'm at ATL, man. I flew in. I had Notre Dame and Duke last night, so I flew in early. I didn't want to go back home and then leave you to get to Duke. I got Duke, I mean, uh, Notre Dame, and uh, Georgia Tech on Tuesday night. So, okay, I I just like to know, like, where in the world is RC? You know what I'm saying? Like, where are you joining us from? Uh, and and now we know straight from the A. All right, lots to get to, but let's start with what I feel like is the most bizarre storyline in college basketball which is michigan they might be playing for a college football national championship tomorrow and they may well win the college football championship tomorrow but that doesn't take away from the weirdness of their college basketball team rob tonight Jawan howard stepped aside in a move that i i, I can't say i've ever heard of uh and let phil martelli coach as michigan's in the throws of a three-game losing streak, which has now, by the way, been extended to four. Um, what the hell is going on with Michigan basketball, my friend? I have no idea. It makes no sense to me. 
It's one of the strangest things that I've ever seen in a college basketball season. For the people that weren't paying attention uh, this afternoon, we're watching football instead of a six and nine uh, Michigan basketball team. Jawan Howard decided that he was not going to coach today. He decided that he was going to let uh, Phil Martelli, his uh, associate head coach, be the guy that coaches today because Michigan was going back to Philadelphia, where Phil Martelli is from, and uh, Phil Martelli's son is an assistant coach on the Penn State staff, which, like, okay, I, I understand the gesture. I appreciate the gesture. If you want to make it be, like, an honorary thing where he goes out there and, uh, like, the first possession, he's on the sideline, okay, that's cool. That's fun. That's a nice note. It's not something that you do in the middle of the season. This is game 15 of a 31-game season. You're exactly in the middle of the season. You've lost three games in a row. The last two games you played, a loss at home to a Minnesota team that was picked at the bottom of the Big Ten, a loss at home to McNeese State. You've lost six of your last eight, and you've lost eight of your last 11 coming into this game. And what do you do? You decide not to coach. You, the guy with the, uh, what is it, like a $30 million contract, whatever it is, making 4 or $5 million a year, decide that you're not going to coach. I, I don't understand it. I've never seen it before. It's baffling to me. And I think it just kind of, I think it summarizes what people at Michigan kind of think about the basketball program, that something like this is, is just okay in what you do, right? And I get that they're playing in a national title game for football, and I get that it's a football school, and I get that uh, in the Big Ten, football means everything, and I get when you're Michigan, football means everything, right? Awesome, great. Totally understand it, uh, especially when you have a, a, a basketball team that is struggling the way they're struggling. But to me, if I'm a Michigan fan, like why, why am I investing money in this program? Why am I going out and buying tickets to games? Why am I paying for parking? Why am I taking my time to go see this team play and spend money on concessions and have to deal with traveling, have to deal with paying for parking and all that? Um, when they clearly are not taking it seriously. Like your coach is stepping aside to let somebody else coach a game when you just lost three games in a row. I just, it makes no sense. And to me, it's, I think, honestly, I think it's disrespectful to the fans and to the people that support that program and the people that decided to go play there. Right. Like how many of these kids decided, you know what, I'm going to commit to Michigan because I want to play in the palestra for my associate head coach, Phil Martelli. I, I don't think any of them did. Is that why Olivia Kamwa transferred there? Right. I don't think it is. It, it just it, it's it doesn't make sense. It brings all of this kind of negative attention to. I mean, you blew a 10 point halftime lead, R.C., they blew a 10-point halftime lead, and now all we're talking about is them. This is not something that should be the, the lead of a Sunday night weekend recap show on the field of 68. We shouldn't be talking about Michigan at all, but it's the first thing that we're talking about on the show. And and, and to me, that's the, the decision that Jamal I, – I don't understand it, and I don't like it, and I think it's the wrong decision that he made. Well, RC, if I can, if I could just, if I could just ask you, sort of frame it, because you've been a player in a college basketball program, and you've been a coach on the bench in a college basketball program. I mean, is that something that suggests health to you? I mean, a, a gesture to you? Like, I mean, it, I, I, from your perspective, if somebody ever came to you as an assistant when you were awake and said, "Hey, you know, take over. We're coming back home." Like, would that just not weird weird you out? I, I I thought it was something where maybe Juwan wasn't feeling well. He just doesn't want to put that out there. I, I don't know. I haven't spoken with him. Uh, but let's let's remember, guys. He missed the start of this season for you know for heart surgery and 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 who knows? I mean, to have a surgery like that and and then your coaching in general is you know that's not a, the best combination. So 
let's hope everything is is as well with that. And I, I you know, maybe he didn't want to make an announcement to it. Um, right. I, I think it's more to it than just, hey, your son's on the other sideline, give you a chance to coach with your son. Uh, I, I don't think it's just that simple. But you know, we could be wrong. But I, I think it could be something where he's just like, hey, maybe I'm not feeling well. Could have had a scare. Anything. I don't know. Uh, well, well, I think we'll get answers from this in due time. But that that let's be honest, that doesn't happen. It's uncommon. We've never seen that. But again, Phil has coached several games this year, but it was because of health issues. So let's hope it's not. Let's start with that. But I hope that we get some concrete answers here going forward because this is a weird thing just to say, hey, you coach a team going forward in the middle of the season like this, just getting in the conference play, just kind of getting everything going. And they and they're they're fighting to get you know for relevancy this year. RC, I want to follow up with you, ma'am. And, and I and I realize this is a is a tough question, but Juwan took over for John Beeline and 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 really got out of the gate fast. Um and, and the culture was good. And now you look up, you know, four or five years later, there was an Elite Eight and a Sweet 16. And sort of since then, you know, as you're seeing now, 43 and 40 in Big Ten play since that Elite Eight run, missed 16 games because of a suspension or, or medical issues, two and 14 in one possession games. Um, you know, is this a case of, you know, maybe you were living off of, and, I, and I, again, I, I recognize this is a tough question to sort of frame, but living off of a culture that preceded you and maybe you haven't done a good enough job of establishing your own. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rob. They didn't go to the tournament his first year. They went his second and third year. So it wasn't just a carryover of Beeline's culture and everybody throws that narrative out there. Right, wrong, or indifferent. He's been to the tournament, tournament two of his five years. This is the fifth year. This team isn't very good. They've lost a lot of close games. I, I, you know, they, they don't finish. They don't have a closer. Defensively, they've struggled. But I, I, I'm not going to go and say, hey, this is just Beeline. Because if it was all just Beeline, the first year, they would have tournament that year. And they didn't. So it was the second and third year when they had their run. Yeah, to be fair, the first year uh, he didn't make the tournament because there wasn't a tournament. COVID canceled uh, canceled everything that year. But but they weren't I, very I the they weren't very good though. They, they, they weren't that they weren't they weren't as good as they were. My point was they weren't as good as no. they were the second and third year. Like they got better the second and third year. So it, that's that's not just because of a beeline players is all I'm saying. I, I thought if anything, I think is a big adjustment for guys is blending in <laughs> the nil. Everything else is coming because everybody's going through it now with that change. And that's not an excuse for them, but you get one and done players. You have to decide on how you want to build your program. You know, like even Kentucky went through it. They went with the they went with the young guys. Then they went to the portal. Now it seems like Kyle is going back to that. Duke has kind of stayed with that. And I think Jawan is trying to figure that out. He comes in, hey, I'm an NBA guy. He's getting these one and done guys in. He has to decide, hey, admission issues couldn't get everybody he wanted to get into the school anyway so how right. does that work for him so i i don't i'm not buying all listen it's a disappointing year Jawan knows that it's got to be better no question about it but i'm not going right. to sit up here and say like he should be fired or they should be looking for the next coach i think he knows things need to change and i expect that some things need to change for the rest of this year um but again sometimes you get health issues like that it changes your perspective like we don't know where he's at right now you get a health scare like that who's to say Jawan isn't thinking man i want to go back to the nba it's less stressful mm -hmm. so i don't know well, that's, but I, I don't want to sit there and say you know, well michigan needs to find out. that out 
I mean, that's right. Yeah. I mean, Michigan needs to Michigan needs to to do a little due diligence there. And and by the way, that, that I, I think is, that's fair, right? Yeah, yeah like no, you're, you're I, right. I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody in that situation if that's how it's going to be. Yeah, I look. I you're I'm I'm totally sensitive to what you're saying there, RC. And I get your point, and I understand. Like when you got a heart thing and you feel a little bit off, like you might not want to go out there and coach. But to me, that is a bigger concern when it comes to the long-term viability of Jawan Howard being there. And what I mean is the coaching business, especially at the college level, is incredibly stressful. You're going to have late nights. You got to watch a lot of film. You're going to be on the road a lot. You got to recruit. You got to be texting these 16 and 17 year olds, right? You got to be on the phone. You got to be talking to people. You got to be doing this. You got to be doing that. You got to make sure they're going to class. Like it's 25% coaching and 75% CEO of a multi-million dollar business. And that's just the way that it is when you're the head coach at a university. It's stressful. And if you, if you can't, if, if you have a heart issue that does not allow you to do that to the full extent of your abilities, I don't think that it makes sense for you to be in that role. Does that make sense? Like, and I don't want to say that he's not good enough to do it because I think what we saw the first two years, like he can coach, he knows how to run stuff. He spent six years on Eric Spolstra's bench. Like, it's not like this dude forgot everything he learned about the NBA for the 18 NBA. years. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> He was there for yeah. 25 years in the league as a player, as a coach. Like he knows basketball, yeah. but I just think that if, if you are indifferent enough to be able to just say, I'm going to allow my associate head coach to coach a game because the son is on the other bench. When you just lost three in a row, when you still are in a position where you could turn your season around, like to me, that just doesn't scream the guy that you want running your program. Now, what I'll say is this, what we've seen from Michigan over the years, like how much do they actually care about the basketball program? If you can't get Caleb Love and Terrence Shannon into the university, well, they should care about it, their program though. Yeah. They have a, they have they a proud tradition. It. They should care. I, mean, yeah, I know, but those are two. Like my, my point is again. So let's just say if those two players are there, I think we feel pretty comfortable that their season's different, right? In some way, shape, or form, I think we feel a little more comfortable with what they have. Now, it's in hindsight. Now, the Terrence Shannon situation, we get all that. Like that's not even worth. You know, we've addressed that. You know, I'll say this, Rob. The question I have, we don't know is, is how does he run it? Because you said that most coaches CEO it, and that's not the case. Some coaches they do everything. And they just want you to go out and get players. So the question is, that is a fair question. Like, how is Jawan running Michigan? Is he running it from a CEO? I think that's probably what he probably needs to do if that's the case and just delegate the responsibilities of certain things with everybody else. And I don't mean just coaching. I mean, not today, just saying you coach it. So I, I think there's something more to it. I I, I don't think he, yeah. I, I do. I, I find it hard to believe that he's just going to say, oh, your son's on the other team. That's happened throughout college basketball you know, your coach or a relative, a sibling or a former player, whatever's on the other side, you do something like that. I don't think he just did this for the sake of, you know, doing his buddy a solid. Yeah. The the last point that I'll make, John, real, real quick, is that this team went on the road into Madison Square Garden in a sold out arena on the uh, the second week of the season. And they beat the brakes off of St. John's. They beat the brakes off of Rick Patino. They beat the brakes off of a, a team that now looks like they might be one of the top four or five in the Big East, right? Like that is a really good win, a really impressive win. And it was the uh, third straight performance where they went out and they scored at least 89 points. Like three games into the year, Michigan looked like a team that could uh, make a yep. run at being like a top two or three team in the Big Ten. And that's what I said. And I 
planted my flag on the ground. I said this is what's going to happen, and I don't think that I was wrong in that moment because the talent is there. This is not a talent issue right now that's going on with Michigan. Yep. It is an effort. Is It is an intensity. It is, frankly, they don't play a lick of defense, right? We might as well just have me, you, and RC go out there right now and try to get some stops because it'll be better than whatever they're doing out there. There's no effort. The, the one thing that really stood out to me, and, and I'll end it with this, is that when you looked at the two benches in that game today, right, the Penn State bench, when they're making the run, when they're coming back, they're into it. They're fired up. They're not having a great year. Mike Rhodes is going to take them a little while to get that thing going again, right? But you could see those guys were engaged. They cared. If you looked at the Michigan bench, I don't think anybody – I think everybody was just kind of thinking, all right, when can we get back to campus? i got to figure out what I'm going to be doing for this national title game. I hope we don't get a snowed in here. There was some bad weather in the Philly area today. Like, it just – it, it, it was – different... Go ahead. No, I'll say that, Rob. I I I won't go as far as that. I, I think it's they have lost so many close games this year. I think that's part of it. When they get in close games, I don't think they – when they get in tight moments, I don't think they got a closer. Like, you go back and schedule. They, you know, their Memphis game was right down the wire. Their Oregon game was right down the wire. They, they, they lost so many games. Double that, that Florida. Florida. The Florida game. I mean, the, the Minnesota game. Like, they've been in – and they were up 10 in this game. They've been in so many close games, and it just hadn't gone their way. Sometimes it's just a confidence thing where they don't figure it out. Like, I, I won't go as far as saying that. That's some good play. Because I remember – we saw those games. We saw this team early in the year, how good they were. But when you start losing games in the moment, like, it, like he can't force who am I going to give this ball to and say, hey, if you don't have a guy that can say, I'm going to bring you home, like, if you don't have a boo-booey or you don't have a certain guy that you can mm -hmm. say, hey, man, I'm going to put the ball mm -hmm. in your hands and take me yeah. home, you're going to – you're going to we, – we, we're going to look up in March and it's going to be a laundry list of teams. And the teams that don't have that guy, you're not winning close games. And I think well, we just named five games that if that flips, we're not even having this conversation. Yeah. But they don't have a yeah. guy they can put the ball in, in his hands and say, hey, this is a close game. Take it home for me. The only thing I'll push back that's, on it, is that, that we had the same issue with close games last year with Michigan, and they had mm -hmm. Hunter Dickinson. They had Kobe Bufkin, first-round pick. They had Jed Howard, who was, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the 11th pick in the draft. Like, they had three dudes last year, and they couldn't get it done. They were 18 and 16 and lost a whole bunch of close, close games. And, they, look, they're not – they don't have the, the same level of NBA talent. Doug McDaniel, talent. Olivia Kamba can play. Like He's they good. got, they got guys this year. Yeah. And Rob, I would say this, well, man. Kamba, like Kamba's in a bigger role too. Go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say that's why Rob's got so many kids, man, because he he lets it fly a little too early. You know, he he he, he proclaimed <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> After the third game of the season, and that's why he's got so many kids. That's why he's got so many children. John, we got the same number of kids, my man. We got the same number of kids. Hey, the same age. Hey. Matter of fact, man. matter of fact, he's younger. John's younger. Nah, we still got a couple of weeks, man. We still got a couple of weeks. We're we're counting them down here in Memphis. All right. Listen, we have another. We have no hard outs tonight. I'm just gonna say that for our audience right now. It's a Sunday. We're fucking doing what we do, okay? We're letting it loose. And we haven't even talked about Mick Cronin. So let's do that now. Let's just knock it all out as we speak. <clears throat> we shouldn't talk about Michigan and leave out UCLA. There are three games under 500. This is an absolute disaster. And I know we're going to hear about uh, NIL, and we're going to hear about this, that, and the other. Um, this is UCLA. 
Okay, this is one of the most storied programs in college basketball. There's no way they should be losing games to Cal State Northridge. I mean, that's just embarrassing. So, Rob, with you, how uh, on earth did we get to this point, and and what? Who are we? Well, uh, look, it's it's one, it's on McCronin, and two, we just. We kind of went hard on Jawan Howard. I think we need to go harder on Mick Cronin here because some of the stuff no that he said in the media recently <laughs> is just – it's completely out of pocket. And to me, it's completely inappropriate and unacceptable for him to be saying these things about 18- and 19-year-olds that came to this country to play for him. Uh, he said uh, – one of the quotes is, we're just not very smart. Aptitude is a big issue for us right now. The most important thing for a teacher is that students have to have aptitude or they can't learn, they can't apply, so your rate of progress and development is way too slow. Come on, Mick. That No, that is wrong. In ripping us up, we have, player, we have the audio said, of this? Oh, I, think, I think Trevor was telling us we have audio. Do we have audio of this, Trevor? Yeah. Let's go to the yeah, audio, audio here. Let's, let's hear it from Mick himself. I mean, you did a great job. Defensively, just really, we had breakdowns on switches, and we went for – uh, Sebastian went for a steal that started their run that he it was, you know, that I've told him to do in practice, stop doing in practice a thousand times, you know, and on a veteran team, he wouldn't, he'd play about five minutes a game, but I got to play. You know, our turnovers, we invent new ways to turn it over. Kenny gets in the game, he's our oldest, smartest guy, supposedly our most trained player. He fouls 98 feet from the basket on a rebound. It is what it is. I mean, you know, can't call your mommy. She can't help you. Get opportunity to a lifetime that may not last forever, depending on your performance. Just for starters, uh, it's just wondering why Coach Cronin's not here tonight. Are you still talking to the team? And oh. We didn't want to keep you guys waiting too long. We didn't, I don't know how long it's going to be, so okay. I'm here in the stead. So the, the, the assistant on, you gotta coach show there. up, man. Come on. What is it mean, with this, these head coaches? Like this opening segment is fat shit crazy. I mean, this is insane. <laughs> we got assistant coaches out here doing head coach responsibilities. It's crazy. Come on, man. What are we doing? Here, maybe I'm the just used one. to it. Maybe, maybe I'm used to it. I, I've just I've just seen it and been a part of it, man. It happens. Like I I I, I don't think it's that bad. I, I I'm sorry. I and I'm not saying he's right, because I think you ought to take the heat and kind of deflect your play. You know, to not not throw, necessarily throw your players on the bus. I, I'm not with all that, but I I respect it. It's it's an honest assessment. Like that's a young team, man. They're not going anywhere. They're crumbling under the expectations of what you like. Everybody's expecting to be. I, none of us thought UCLA was going to be that good this year. Like none of us. I mean, they're, so I, they're, I don't think crumbling. it's that big of a surprise. I, I think it's a surprise in how bad they are. They just got beat by Cal the first time Cal won a Pac-12 game in 19 games. They've lost four in a row at yeah. Pauley Pavilion, which is frankly unacceptable, man. Like, look, it, it's – I agree. I understand being frustrated with having a bunch of freshmen, but what you did this offseason, Mick, was you went out and you bet big on being able to get a bunch of 18 and 19-year-olds, some of whom may not speak all that great of English, onto your campus in August and teach them the American <laughs> culture, the American style of basketball, the American way to go to class, the American way to play, what you want out of a player, what the stuff that you says, your basketball terminology, what that means. Freshmen are freshmen. 
right? It always takes freshmen a while to adjust. You just got to, you're going to magnify that when you're pulling freshmen out of Europe and asking them to come over here and try to figure out the language first. Like, I understand you're frustrated, but when you're throwing your players under the bus like this, to me, that's just unacceptable, man. He had one quote, and I'm not going to say who it was about, but he said, that's on him. It's not on me. Come on, man. Like, you can't. You can't do that to your players publicly and then not show up in a press conference. That's just I, I was going to say, RC, I, I was going to say that that is that. that that is the piece of it. He, he has. The I agree with you. On it. He, he, he has to show up that I mean, that that's unacceptable for a person in authority to not show up. No, I, listen, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying I've seen it before. I, I, I'm not saying I defend it like like you're the head. You're the head of this. Like you gotta be out there and just say, "Hey, you gotta stand in front of this," because no matter what, however frustrated he is, you pick these players to be here. Fact. So yeah. I mean, just chalk it up. I, I just, I just think you would. I think it should be a little different. I mean, look, you had a hell of a year. Nobody's questioning this dude. He's he's one of the best coaches in the country. This is a young team. You're not winning. They're not that talented enough that you're gonna win. Just chalk it up. Change it. Have a little bit more fun. I think it's just too. This isn't a surprise. Like no one expected this team to be very good. I, 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 if you guys did, tell me because I didn't expect. It. I didn't. Well, think it's more like did you expect them to be six and nine with losses to Cal and Cal Straight Northridge and just how it? You know what I'm saying? When it's you're this young, worked. when you're this young, yes, because Cal Cal mm-hmm. went to the portal. They're not a young team, so now you're playing kids against against older men. With Jordan and, and Jalen Cohn and those guys, they got they got transfers. They got fifth year guys there. So I'm playing some 18, like, like that happened. Now, again, it's UCLA. We're not so not. But if we were to remove mm-hmm. the UCLA and just say, hey, you throw some 18-year-olds out there, that's not the number one or number two ranked recruiting class in the country. This isn't Amari Bailey and, and a bunch of other guys coming in there. That's that. This is the number one recruiting class in the country. This ain't it. Well, and so here's, again, here's again and, I, and I sound like I'm defending him and I'm not. Like I said, he's well, dead. It's like, it's like, where, know, where, it's, it's like, where does the buck stop? Wrong on all that right it's definitely on him it's all on him it's all on him it's all on him but here's here's the comparison that i would make and i think it's an apt one look at what sean miller's dealing with at xavier right he has a whole bunch of freshmen that he's bringing in from europe he lost his two best players this offseason uh one to a foot injury one to a heart issue right um he understands that he's in a position where it's probably not going to be a Big East title contending team, and he's going to have his work cut out for him to get to the tournament, right? He knows what he's got there. You don't see him coming out in press conference and absolutely killing his kids. You don't see him making these statements and doing it the way that Mick is. And I think that part of the reason why we're seeing them lose some of these games is because they are hearing their coach go out there publicly and kill him. How do you have any confidence? Why do you want to play for that guy? Like, why do you want to go out there and and bust your ass to try to make that diamond player, try to make that rotation, to try to get better? They're probably just sitting there like, yo, fuck McCrona, man. Like, I don't want to deal with this shit. Like, what? I came all the way over I mean, from I, Turkey. I, to I, deal I, with I mean, this. yeah. In this day and age, I mean, for real, that's no, no, a no, conversation. No, 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 because because our guy up the road at Michigan State does the same thing now, but he seems to have a, connect, a relationship with his players. He's got but, a title. Yeah. Okay. He yes. Does. That's he it does. right there. Maybe that's he, it. He, it's the relationship, okay. RC. Okay. But it's so we don't know that like if he, he don't have a relationship with those guys. So that's my whole point. We don't know if Nick Nick Cronin doesn't have that relationship. 
And I got stopped well, this because it sounds like I'm defending him. I sound like I'm defending him. I'm, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, like damn, RC. Like, I'm really just you, going against Rob. Are you like uh, consultant <laughs> for the UCLA staff, bro? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, know. I'm Next just going we... against Rob, man. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm just going against Rob. I got to cut this out. I'm going to cut this out because I act like I'm defending me. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm saying not saying there's not a fair discussion to be had. I'm not saying there's not a fair discussion to be had. At the same time, like, dude, you're you're UCLA, all right? Like the the the, yeah. the world is your oyster. You're the world is it no. right? I mean, at the end of the no. day, you know, it's supposed to be your your uh you know, you get the job done or you don't. Uh and, and right now it's it's just, it's just simply not happening. Look, we gotta take a break. We got some other things to discuss. Uh Northwestern. Mm. Can I can I get some claws up, bro? Can I get some claws up? Man, tough crowd up in here tonight. Man, that's the once that's the biggest result in college basketball tonight. Unless you guys want to talk about Memphis holding on against SMU. So we'll get into all that and more when we get back. You are watching the Field of 68 after dark. Stick around. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts so download the bet mgm app today we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark here on a beautiful Sunday night. Yeah, man. Claws out. Get the claws out right now. That's right. Them Wildcats. Let them know. I'm John Martin here with Rob Dosher, Randolph Childress. These gentlemen need no introduction. We were just talking about Tom Izzo, and I get it. You know, we're going to say the same shit we always say about Michigan State, and it's probably fair that they're we're going to look up in two months and they're going to be in the mix. But uh, Northwestern handled them tonight at home, um, and and I just I, I go to you, Rob, for Northwestern. You know how how big of a win is that for that program and Boo Boo? I know he obviously is always instrumental in the way they get things done. How big of a win is that in terms of what they can and maybe can't do? You know, in March. Um, I think. I mean, it's big because I think it's one of those wins that's going to be able to get them on the right side of the bubble when it comes to Selection Sunday. And uh, they are probably in right now. Um, I say probably. If they're not in with a win over Dayton, a win over Purdue, and a win over Michigan State, then uh, we need to have a very real conversation about what the selection committee uh, should look like. By the way, if you're into uh, bubble talk, fielding the 68 starting January 22nd, Monday, Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we got the best bracketologists in the business doing that show. Um, but, I mean, it's huge for them. Man. And and I, I will say this. When that team gets to the tournament, they are going to be the kind of team that will give somebody problems for two reasons. One, they have a great point guard that doesn't turn the ball over and has a bunch of shooters around them. They know how to create space, and they know how to let their dude cook. If you got a really good point guard, you can make a lot of things happen in the tournament. And two, they are good enough defensively, and they force enough turnovers that – uh, they can be a real pest. Like Michigan State never looked comfortable offensively. And I don't know, guys, the last time that anybody said that when they went to go play in Evanston, the defense was good enough and the crowd was good enough that we never looked comfortable. But that's what it is right now for Northwestern. And you got to give Chris Collins a little credit. I, I didn't think that he was going to be able to uh, make it happen like this, right? You got to remember, last year they lost Pete Nance and Ryan Young, who both started for ACC teams for Duke and Carolina. And then you lost uh, Chase Audige this summer, right? And now you're still just kind of sitting here rolling and got yourself in a position to make it to the tournament, only team to beat Purdue. They might end up being the only team to beat Purdue all season long. Got to give them credit, man. Good for Boo Booey. Great name, too, by the way. If we can get it, you know what my dream NCAA tournament matchup would be? You get Boo Booey going up against Boopy Miller from Wake Forest. <laughs> I can get better than that. <laughs> It wasn't hey, it wasn't I, all boo booey tonight, RC, but no I mean he no. obviously when you can win a game like that, I mean that's obviously impressive. Uh no, everybody chipped in. I, you know, Todd Berry got him going early. Bon Heiser chipped in and got him going. I, my concern again is is we I think everybody where's Jeff when I need him? Because Jeff is always talking, they're back. I, I just think this I Michigan State team is is struggling. And I I know they and everybody's gonna go. They won. They won five straight. Yeah, they beat Baylor, and then don't give me this East Stony Brook, Indiana State, and Oakland. Uh, you know that, that's part of their streak. I, I, I still have my concerns. I mean, when Tyson, when Tyson Walker isn't playing out of his mind, who's gonna score? Malik Hall didn't show up today. He stayed back home, and, and he he was non-existent. And they need him because. He at least can go down and play, you know, his versatility to score inside and outside. No one else on that team gives him that option. And I, I'm just not as – I'm still concerned about this team. And I said this before. I, I've said it a million times. I made the comparisons to UNC a year ago. 
I think they'll be on the bubble. Uh, uh, and right now, of their ebb and flow throughout the season, I think they're going to have trouble. I just think, you know, Tyson Walker, he just can't put this team on his back. Like somebody consistently, who is this second guy going to be that's going to consistently they can rely on when they're not turning you over? Because when you play against elite guards like this, like Boo Boo, you're not, they're not turning the ball over. Like they need help. Well, you got to get stops, They got to create turnovers. You, you can't yeah. give up 88 points to, to North. Like, all due respect to Northwestern. Love you, Boo Boo. You love you, Chris Collins. You and turn it over, Rob. Let's points. be clear. They turned it over. 88 like they points had 10 in turnovers and a half. possession. Yeah. It was bad, man. It was oh, bad. I'm with you. And, I, and I will say this. Um, since I guess I'm in the mood to to just be ripping people, like Malik Hall is a senior <laughs> that is expected to be like the second best player on this team, right? He played 26 minutes. No. He didn't score. He no. didn't get a rebound. He didn't get an assist. He had. And they two were a top three team. Game. They were top three team preseason. Let's not hold back. I mean, yeah, like look, if you're Malik Hall and Listen. you know that there's not all that much going on at the five, and you know that the four spot is one of the most important in college basketball, and you know that when you go to that small ball lineup with Cohen Carl, like you are going to be playing the minutes at the five, <laughs> he he just didn't show up. Like this wasn't like he had a bad game. The effort wasn't. There. How do you go for? Wow. You, you take four shots in twenty six minutes, minutes? You get a rebound. Nope, oh, four shots, no rebounds do, at the four. That's hard to you do. You can't do that, man. That's hard to do. You, you can't do that do. if you're if you're Malik Hall. Like I understand if you're just a role player and you're out there to play defense, right? You're Malik Hall. You're out there to go get 15 a night. Take four shots and no rebounds, no assists. What were you doing? 26 minutes. What were you doing? Not helping the team win, I'll tell you that. Like I've said, I, I think they got concerns. I I this is as nice as i've seen Izzo be because i think he knows this team is the pressure from outside and that's what i what my concern was because they were preseason the fourth team in the country they just seem to be crumbling from the expectations and that's that's my concern with them it's not that they're a good team or they can beat anybody on any given night it's just you know who are they consistently going to count on outside of walker is my biggest concern yeah Well, they're going to have to figure that out. I mean, if, if they're going to fulfill this sort of prophecy of, uh, you know, oh, you know, they're they're going to be around in, you know, March, they're going to have to figure that because out. Because that's the mistake are, I, I gotta, think I everybody else. Go ahead. Let me say, let me say this. The problem is yeah. that everybody just automatically is like paying taxes and dying. You just be like, man, it's Izzo and it's going to be in the yeah. tournament and it's going to be, and yeah. it, it ain't that <laughs> simple. It ain't that easy. Oh, it's Izzo and it's going to be okay. Like, he's my favorite coach. I love him. But Izzo can't shoot jumpers and make you play and, and then and then go on the court and guard people as well. He can't make he can't tell Malik Hall out point, there man. and you, you play twenty five minutes and he, he's giving you the opportunity and you give him no points and no rebounds. Like, come on, Rob. Like I'm not trying to be funny, but like all you I could go out there right now and I know I can give you that. <laughs> I'm gonna play 25 <laughs> minutes and get you a rebound yeah, or a shot. I'm gonna do something yeah, yeah, in 25 I'm, minutes. Hey, look, RC, I guarantee I can that. go into a big big game right now and go scoreless and not get a rebound. I can make that happen. You are a first round draft pick. I mean, what are we talking about? I promise you, I can do that. What's he really even saying? Come on, man. <laughs> no, but John, I'm talking about now. That's hard to do, man. And people always make the assumptions like, oh, Izzo got Izzo got Izzo can't fix that when he he's putting you on the floor and giving you this opportunity. Like that's some sometimes again, and we've been talking about coaches and everything well, else. RC, RC, that's, that's point, my question. That's my question. Look, you played, 
you, you played at this level, you coach at this level, you understand right. it better than, than John and I are going to, and a lot of the listeners are going to. How is that fixable? Like, can can you motivate a guy, or is that just something where there's going to be nights where he does? And, and look, we're we're getting on Malik Hall because it was his night. He's not been the only one. AJ Hogarth's had nights right. like that. JD Jenkins yes. had nights like that. How do you how do you fix that as a coach? Can you fix that as a coach? Or are you just crossing your? But see that that I hope you that's my it. point. That's my that's my concern with Izzo because guys, they've been so up and down all year long. How many times can he challenge him before they, it, he's already? They're already got this. You know, they 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 they're combative a little bit. He allows them to get on him. He gets on them. But at sometimes, like now, he has to do more like patting them on the back. You got to challenge him. Then you got to pat him on the back. But what is he going to say to like Malik Hall? What is he going to say to to AJ Hogarth when he's struggling? These guys have been there four and five years. These aren't these aren't freshmen. Like you got to coddle freshmen. More. But the concern for Izzo is. He's dealing with seniors in this stuff. Like, like you're not supposed to be having these conversations with seniors. Like, they should know. No. Like, they they should know. And that's the problem where I say to you is that if you watch him, he seems to be more laid back. He's not screaming and yelling as much as he usually is because I think he's like, man, I, I think somewhat of him, he's like, what the hell? I don't know what more I can do. Like, if, and when a coach plays you 25 minutes and you give him goose eggs, like, come on. Like, like we can't talk about Tom. This is when, as a player, you got to own it. You got to respond. But I, I think it's, it's it's difficult because you can't keep you can't keep challenging guys and rah 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 rah. Particularly because that's how he is. You know, we know he's an animated, vocal guy. After a while, when you're losing and you got to hear that, then that's where it becomes. And he and to me, he seems like he's trying to contradict it a little bit and be like, all right, guys, let's go, let's go, let's being more positive because. Because now they're getting crushed because of the weight of the expectations. And that was what my concern is. The expectations now, now the noise is when they're winning, they're, the distractions are different because it's like everybody's patting them on the back. He gets to kick them in the ass. Now everybody on the outside is kicking them in the ass. Now he has to be the one to come behind and try to pat them on the butt, even though they're struggling. Like this team is just really inconsistent. And they're gonna. it's going to be a struggle for them to get in the tournament with this inconsistent play. They're going to have to find, and it's not, like I said, it's not just a league hall. We got on him. Hogarth has had his issues. To me, everybody's had their issues, but Tyson Walker, he's been the one thing you can count on. He's been their guy, and he can't do it alone. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the other sort of relevant game that happened tonight, which was Memphis in a race that uh, seems like it's maybe flipped a little bit here. Uh, despite being down 12 at the house at half, they come back and win the game against SMU. They dig deep because it looked bad. They were getting out rebound. They were getting bullied there down there in the first half. They find a way to get the job done thanks to, I mean, butterfly effect, deja vu. Javon Quinterly hits a game winner in the exact same place that he hit a game winner the game before. Like, I need to know how many times that has happened in the history of college basketball, hey, two games John. in a row in the same spot. John, you're you're a Memphis guy, so I got to ask you this question. I, I heard a rumor the other day that um, that JQ got a NIL deal with a wheelbarrow because that's the only way that he was able to carry his balls around campus. They were so big, he has to put them in a wheelbarrow and push them around. John back to back game winners, back to back game winners. Man, look, in look, the same I, spot. That's crazy. I, I, root, I root for him. I root for him for a lot of reasons. I think that he uh, got the 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 short end of the stick, right? Uh, what, what did you say? The shit end of the stick when RC had to talk to me? Yeah, that, that's yeah. what JQ got 
when it came to like the FBI investigation. He ends up at Villanova, which is just like the wrong fit for a dude that plays his style. He sits out a year. He gets to Alabama. He finally gets his chance. You get to the NCAA tournament and he blows out his knee and he comes back and it doesn't work out the following year after that. And it feels like he's found a place that works for him where it works with the coach and it works with the team. And he's got a chance to have a really, really good year with a really, really good Memphis team. So I'm happy for him. This is awesome to see. I got nothing but good things to say uh, about him and the way that he plays. He's just, he is an incredibly fun player to watch when he's in his element. And I think that Penny allows him to be in his element. Let's go JQ. I loved it, man. That was awesome. Back to back three, same shot game winners, man. Let's go. Crazy. I mean, I, I, I got to know how many times that's happened in college basketball. RC, you've called this team. You've seen them up close and personal. You know, they had a, they had a couple of games there after the Virginia game where, you know, they, they played around with Austin P. They played around with Vanderbilt. They played around tonight. It, you know, how long do you get away with that? Or is that just a function of, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of – it's the new year, it's the finals week, it's holidays, it's – you know, just how do you sort of separate what Memphis really is versus sort of the time of the schedule? Just as someone that's seen them, what do you make of just their performance the last few weeks? It's always hard, man. When you're dealing with finals, you're dealing with gaps and breaks and practices, Christmas break. Like that's a, like coaches don't know when the kids, when, let's be honest, when, I can tell you this as a play, from a former player and, and, and coach players that are asking this. When them kids go home for Christmas, they ain't getting in the gym. They ain't picking up a ball. Half of them just sitting at home for a couple of days, just just kind of hitting the break. You may get a few that may get in the gym, but most of your kids just sit at home, particularly the ones that travel, right? So you come back, then they got to get back into things. So that's part of the adjustment. But with this team, it's they're built on a defensive end. The only thing that concerned me about them today was I thought SMU for the first half, they out Memphis them. They, I mean, they would have tougher, more physical. They, they, they just were all over and I thought that's what Memphis does to people. And they, you can tell they were challenged. They just couldn't hold up. Memphis comes out the second half, totally flips it, and just shows you what they're, what they're capable of. Tomlin seems to be still trying to figure it out. I mean, he got there literally right before, uh, I think, his next game, right, right at the UVA game. He's still trying to figure out his role. They put him in. They're playing the big lineup with him and Dandridge. That worked well for him today. They're both mobile yep. enough and skilled enough to play off each other. So that'll be interesting yep. to see how they do with that going forward. And when you got that backcourt, man, when you got Quinterly and Jones, you're going to be in every game. So I, they're going to be there when it matters most, yep. I, I think, as they just got to get more comfortable. You do, I do, I would challenge their leadership a little bit more and be like, guys, yep. let's come out against opponents when they get in the conference and take care of business. <laughs> And you and stop, you know, relying on Quinnelly to bail them out with threes. But they they played two tough games. I mean, Tulsa is a solid team. And SMU, I think, is really good in a tough team. Well, I would say this, just obviously being here, you know, I think this is sort of the the peril sometimes of when you when you have to replace, you know, and you do replace eight, nine guys, granted, all upperclassmen, but you're bringing them together and there's no necessarily, you know, continuity, fluidity, familiarity with each other and you know the question I was asking at the half was who's going to reach down and pull and pull this team out of this you know who's that going to be and and is everybody going to sort of agree with that and I think that's ultimately it worked out tonight it was in Memphis and I think that's you know uh, a little bit more conducive to that happening but you know what if this was at SMU what if this was at 
Tulane. You know, I think these are, you know, sort of the games that decide that. And is it is it that obvious? I thought there was some real selfishness in the first half, some real um you know, me, 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 not moving the ball, not reversing the ball. You know, this is instructive because you won, and that's a and that's a great thing. You know, Memphis is consistent when you talk, start handicapping this race. FAU is not. FAU is not finding ways to win against lesser talented teams. They've got losses to FGCU. They've got losses to Bryant. You know, so I think that's sort of the thing sure. for Memphis is can you remain consistent you know, when shit hits the fan and, and, and you don't necessarily know that much. And that's college basketball in general, right, Rob? I mean, you're dealing with a sport where it, it, it's sort of like you're hiring guys here and there in a given year without so your familiarity with your school and you got to figure it out. Yeah, so the difference between Memphis and FAU to me is that the guys at Memphis are – have I feel like they've been in the spotlight more, right? Like – Javon Quinley was a McDonald's All-American, a top 20 recruit. Like, every game that he's played since he was, like, 16 years old, the dudes on the other team were like, that's Javon Quinley, right, that we're going up against him. He's been a target since he was playing in high school. Uh, when you go to Memphis, everyone knows that Memphis is Memphis, right? It is, um, what, like a top 25, top 30 program uh, in the sport. Uh, it's got Penny Hardaway as the coach. You're playing in FedEx Forum. It's been the the one of the top two programs uh, in the American for like 10 years now. So they've always been a target. It's always been a big game for everybody. You go there, you know what to expect. You know that teams are going to come out for you, right? The kids at FAU have never experienced road games as the storm the court team, right? Yeah, it was cool when they were like 34 and three and they were playing in Conference USA where Conference USA also had a North Texas team that had just made a run of the tournament and had a UAB team with a kid named Jelly Walker that was averaging like 24 and looked like they were going to be able to make a run. Like that was a really, really good and balanced Conference USA that had other uh, powerful programs. FAU was like, was, was in the cellar when a lot of those kids committed and decided to go there, right? And now they've made this run to the Final Four. They are the storm the court game in the American, right? You yep. go play at yep. FGCU, right? The court gets stormed. That place is sold out. It is a, a, an arena that holds like 2,000 people, and there were probably 2,500 people in there. I guarantee they're all drunk. I guarantee they're all yelling really inappropriate stuff. I guarantee that it might not be big, but that's an intimidating environment. Then you go and you play on the road at Charlotte. You get down 19 to 4, and you get the court stormed on you because Charlotte builds everything around. We got FAU coming to town. We got the team that made the Final Four. We got this top 20 team that was in the field of 68 tip-off, right? They get all this attention. They got all these guys. We want to beat them. They're now the storm the court game. And RC, you could probably speak to this better than us, but when you go from being really good to being the team that every single other opponent builds their schedule around and says, we got a chance if we beat them, it is a very different thing. And I think the slow starts from FA uh, from FAU um, is proof to me that they have not gotten ready for it. But real quick, I just want to hit you guys with this. Uh, I got to mention Vaulted. Vaulted is an app where you can challenge your friends and store your predictions forever. It's V-L-T-E-D. You can download it from any app store that you're in and any app store where you get these things for absolutely free. So if you want to challenge your friends and store your predictions, go download the app. Here is my challenge to you guys. RC, John, I am still saying that FAU is going to find a way to win the American Conference regular season title. Is that crazy? Am I out of my mind? Am I drunk? I might be a little bit drunk. You might be, but I don't. I don't necessarily think it's crazy. I mean, there. I mean, you know, a lot of lot of lot of basketball to play. I'll say this: 
Um, yes, because of we've seen them do it before, and I think all the all the parts are there. Um, if I'm if there's a concern that I have for Florida Atlantic, and I, I I've said all along, I love their culture and how they play when they play the correct way. They look like like the games here where they just expect like it was like they know it's gonna happen. That's the only thing about them that was surprising to me is where I, you know, they they look like all right, like there's a like we're better than you. Like they don't have to come out and play. Like they can just go hit the button on the wall, and that that's concerning. Uh, but the talent is there. I, I think they can make a, a run. There's no question about that. I wouldn't pick against them in that. The only, one thing that I will, and I ask you this, John, about Memphis that concerns me about Memphis is, are we undermining the loss of Caleb Mills now? Because he was a guy coming off that bench, and he's had his moments where he's been the guy coming off that bench offensively for them. He was like their third consistent score. So now that he's not there, it has to be Jaquan Walton. And he he struggled to start shooting the basketball. So now if he's not there, then that puts a, tr- a ton of pressure on Walton, who hasn't been consistent all year either. And this is a guy that was starting, you know, talking about Caleb Mills. He was starting at the year. He's like, all right, Penny, put me on the bench. I'll come off the bench. He was that scoring punch from the bench. And he had a couple of games where he put that team moments and he put that team on his back and scored. And I, I think we're I think they're winning games right now. But I think as we get into conference play, his loss is going to loom larger than what we're we're kind of talking about right now. I think they're going to no, really no. I, 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 it's a good call out, and I think the the thing you said about his willingness to sacrifice despite all the things he's done in college basketball, yeah. you know, that's hard to quantify, and, I, and it's really impossible to replace. And 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 I I don't think you can. You know, I really don't think you can. That level of production that's willing to just say, hey, I'll come off the bench and I'll do what you need me to do. Um, it's Jaquan Walton for sure. It's also, you know, Penny's son, Ashton Hardaway. Not Jaden, but Ashton. You know, they need Ashton to kind of emerge as a, you know, dependable shooter. You know, can you do that? Can you um, can, can can you have him show up as a, as a guy that can – you know, hit a corner three here and there. He's got the size. He's got the length. He's got the ability. You know, it's going to be guys like that. Um, and look, yeah, I had Naquan Tomlin <laughs> at the break. So that's going to help mitigate the damage. It's sort of like a trade in that sense. But it's Jaquan Walton, I think, and it's and it's Ashton Hardaway, you know, coming out and, 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 and you know, helping mitigate that damage. And, and we'll see. But, you know, again, Memphis has been consistent. FAU is not, and uh, you know I think that's the one separator right now is that who's got the bad losses, and it's there's no question it's FAU. Listen, we got a lot more to get to. We're gonna give out the best wins of the week. We're gonna hand out some superlatives of the week. Wrap this thing up here on the field of 68 after dark. Stick around. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox. You guessed it daily for less than a dollar a week you'll wake up every morning to more than 1500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball from the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched the daily is edited and produced by mike miller who spent more than two decades running nbc's digital written content and is subscribed by more than half of the division one coaching staffs, the biggest names in college basketball media, and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport. For just $50 for the year, 
you get access to the same information that the insiders get. And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up than the latest from the Field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the field of 68.shop. All right, welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark here on the Field of 68 Media Network. I'm John Martin holding it down here with my guys, Rob Doster and randolph childress follow us all on our social media networks you see it you can read uh okay we have some superlatives to hand out for the weekend let's get it going rob most impressive win of the week belongs to whom for me it wasn't i don't want to say it wasn't close because there are a lot of really impressive wins but i i cannot speak highly enough about what we saw kentucky do on saturday afternoon going into the O-Dome. It was their first uh, true road game environment. I know they played at Louisville. That building had probably 60%, 70% Kentucky fans in it. Uh, so this was a road environment in a league game with a student section that was packed and full of kids that wanted to make sure that all those Kentucky players knew how much they disliked them. Uh, got down by 13 in the first half. Um, there was a run in the second half where Kentucky finally took the lead and then Florida hit them right back with eight in a row to take a seven-point lead. It felt like there were three or four daggers that the Gators hit down the stretch in the second half, and Kentucky kept coming, and they kept fighting, and they kept grinding, and they kept scrapping and clawing, and they found a way to dig out a big win thanks to a big three from Aaron Bradshaw, who has not shot the three well and who did not play well on Saturday night. <laughs> I could not be more impressed with them. I think DJ Wagner was terrific, uh, and I think they overcame the fact that their two guards that we've been talking about off the bench all season long, Reed Shepard and Robert Dillingham, didn't really play all that well. I know Reed Shepard had 14 points. He got about eight of those, hitting free throws down the stretch as, uh, as Florida started fouling. So um, incredible performance, uh, and it really drove home the fact to me that this is a Kentucky team that can go out and win a national title. And seeing them be able to fight. You know what I think it is? I think they might be too young to realize that they're not supposed to be doing what they're doing right now. I think it, there's a re, there's, <laughs> what is it like you're, you're young enough and dumb enough to believe that you have the the ability to do something. And I think that's kind of where they are. And I mean that I'm not saying, I mean that respectively, I'm not pulling a Mick Cronin right here. I just don't think they realize that going on the road in the sec and coming back from 13 down is not something that you should be doing it with a bunch of freshmen, more credit to them, man. I love seeing it. RC, how about you? I'm I'm gonna go with Seton Hall. Uh I, I think their win against Marquette was equally impressive. I think you when they beat Providence, you know, Hopkins got hurt and you kind of the narrative a little bit was Hopkins went down, woulda, coulda, shoulda. They came back and then responded and beat a good Marquette team. And that's three wins against uh, you know, top twenty five teams and and Mark, you know, uh I mean, what do you say? I mean, I'm a big Shaheem Holloway fan. Like it or not, that's a tough, gritty-ass team. 
Kadar Richmond is 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 turning into a stud right in front of us. Uh, Amir Dawes is just knocking down shots, timely threes when they need him. He went with four or five the other day, and uh, so that was the most impressive win that I had for them. I, that, that, I think the world of Marquette. Marquette's a team that some of them can make it to Phoenix, and I mean Seton Hall is just a team no one expected to be at the top of the Big East, uh, and, and they're right there. And I think their chances as good as anybody with the way they defend. They got dogs, I, RC. Just dogs. They do. That's they what do. They, are. they do. Are dogs. Yeah, they do. With a they W. D A W G S. Dogs. They got that dog in them. <laughs> All right, uh, boys. Player that shined the most this week. Rob. John, you got to give us your most impressive team. Um, I mean, I I'm gonna go with Memphis because he's gonna be a, he gonna pull a homer and go Memphis. He's gonna pull a homer and go Memphis. <laughs> they won because he got to walk I mean, down Bill go Street. He got to walk didn't. down Bill Street. I mean, there, there's like uh, uh, I mean, I, like we could Ole Miss lost right, Texas A&M lost, uh, Arkansas lost, Texas lost, Michigan State lost. I mean, Texas lost. A lot of teams lost. You know, I, I I respect the teams that took care of business this week, right? In a, in a sleepy time of the year, in a sleepy time of the calendar, you know, I'll go with Memphis. I think they did. They got the job done. Hey, and hey, and hey, honestly, hey, Rob, on a day I like will, today, that's enough. Hey, I would add another team that a lot of me this week was was Carolina. Yeah, going in the yeah. pit, they, had, they yep. were running road games. Big and, win, and, and, big and win. You got to give them some because they went into they they're on the mix of a three straight road games, you know, to start this conference play here. I mean, they were at Pitt, a team that's beaten them three straight times in five or six, and they won on a road, and then went to Pitt, to Clemson and won on a road, and then they got a big one coming up against NC State. But they were – kudos to Carolina. They beat Clemson Davis playing Clemson's are, game. They beat Clemson yes, they playing did. Clemson's they game. Beat them, yes, they did. They did. They have – I said this before. I thought – I said I knew Carolina was really good. I think now they're starting to get better and they're entering that conversation of being great. And I think it's time for us to, you know, they're closing out this win streak. They get this NC State game. It's time to start talking yeah. about Carolina as being yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, great we, call we, out for sure. All right, listen, we'll, we'll skip that. We'll go straight to the toast of the night, Rob. Kick us off. Who are we toasting tonight, man, as we get out of here tonight on a Sunday night? Uh, I think there is only one toast that can be made. Yes. I think there is only one person in this conversation. I think there's only one place that we're going to go with this. I know exactly what you would say, John. I'm pretty sure that you would say the exact same thing, RC. It is the Take man the word of the night, out of my mouth. The man of the hey, hour, the man of the week, Mr. Wheelbarrow himself, Big Balls JQ, let's Jelly go. Fam. Let's go, man. Back-to-back game winners. It does not get any better than that. JQ, cheers. No doubt. No doubt. Is there anybody else not in college basketball? I mean, no, nobody. Listen, 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 listen. Nobody does that. You're talking about back to back game winners. That's you don't even dream. You dream of that. Like to do it. Back, no, back, you dream of hitting one. You hit one. Back to back. You don't do that. Nobody does that. You, you're not even in that situation most times, let alone to do it back to back. I've never seen it before. Hey, I've never seen it. Like, seriously, in your life, back to back, back to back. Have you guys ever seen at any level? Have you ever no. seen back to back no. game winners? Back. I mean, that's that's crazy. No. For three, I mean, I've seen back to back big game performances. Yes, but we're talking about game winners. Back to back, you know game what I'm winners. saying? Yes, from three, different different deal. So yeah, I'm agree. I'm in a full agreement. JQ got it done. Same spot. What are we talking about? Like that is crazy. 
at any rate, what a day in college basketball. We got coaches that were substituting for other coaches despite no job changes. I don't know. It's just it's just January 7th, okay? It's just January 7th in this college basketball season. Uh, what a night it has been on Field of 68 for Rob Doster, for Randolph Childress. I'm John Martin. Hold it down. Thanks for making us a part of your Sunday night. We will see you next week. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.